0: from the cyber hub bunker in studio you're tuning in to the cyber hub podcast and now for your host and CISO, james azar well happy monday morning everyone i hope y'all enjoyed your thanksgiving break and holiday and it was really just that because a lot of times for us security practitioners these long weekends and long holidays don't always pan out to be exactly what we like them to be so I pray and hope that everyone tuning in this morning or wherever you're listening from in the world, you were able to enjoy the very long weekend. You enjoyed time with your loved ones. Um, And welcome back. November 28th, 2022. Very few days left in this year before we start talking about 2023 and predictions and so forth. Um, I've made myself a promise this year. I'm trying not to do any prediction shows because I... Every time we do those, it just, you know, they never either, they never really pan out or they're just too easy to predict. Guess what? Cyber's going to be an issue in 2023. Yes, it is. So with that being said, let me grab my morning cup of coffee. I've got my double espresso, whatever you're drinking this morning. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I enjoy my cup of coffee. Cuff cup, cheers. Power yourselves on. Yeah. Caffeine on a Monday morning. Can't really go wrong with that. 5.4 million twitter users had their uh, data stolen and leaked online and even more with an api vulnerability that was fixed in january that's, that has been shared for free on a hacker forum the potentially and more significant data dumps of millions of twitter records has also been disclosed by security researchers demonstrating just how widely abused this bug was by threat actors so last July, threat actor began selling the private information of 5.4 million Twitter users on a hack and forum for $30,000. While most of the, the data—sorry, while most of the data consisted of public information like Twitter ID, names, login names, locations, and verified status—it also included private information like phone numbers and email addresses. The data was collected in December of 2021 using a Twitter API vulnerability disclosed in the HackerOne bug bounty program that allowed people to submit phone numbers and email addresses into the API to retrieve the associate Twitter ID. Here's your first API, big breach gang. So this kind of goes to something we've spoken about earlier this year. Why did Mudge file a whistleblower complaint against Twitter? Very interesting, did he know about this beforehand? Was he told to look at this very differently? And is these the lessons um, come in post the Uber um, CISO debacle uh, where now we're seeing um, someone who could potentially spend eight years in prison for being for thrown under the bus and uh, some of you may disagree with that and that's okay. Um, data dump consisted of, of numerous files broken up by country and area codes including Europe, Israel and the US so overall Twitter is um, whoever the new CISO over at Twitter is is going to have a very 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 tough job cleaning up what what appears to be potentially a decade worth of just no attention to security. Google patches is Google patches its eighth Chrome zero day of 2022. I, it's Monday morning. I'm sorry. Track the CVE 2022-4135. The high severity vulnerability is described as a heat buffer overflow in the Chrome GPU component. Google is aware that an exploit exists in the wild, and that's why they've sent out an emergency patch for chrome you want to make sure you get those updated this morning if you haven't done so already docker hub repositories are hiding over 1650 malicious containers over 1600 publicly available docker hub images hide malicious behavior including cryptocurrency miners embedded secrets that can be used as backdoors dns hijackers and website redirectors docker hub is a cloud based container library allowing people to freely search and download Docker images or upload their creations to the public library or personal repositories. Docker images are typically templates for the quick and easy creation of containers that contain ready-to-use code and applications. Therefore, those looking to set up new instances often turn to Docker Hub to quickly find um, an easily deployable application. Fortunately, due to the abuse of the service by threat actors, over 1,000 malicious uploads introduce severe risks to unsuspecting users deploying malware-laden images on locally hosted or cloud-based containers. Apart from the images reviewed by the Docker Hub Library project, which are verified to be trustworthy, hundreds of thousands of images with an unknown status are within this service, kind of goes to your software supply chain, your SBOM, your software bill of materials. Do you have a policy for that? Do you have a way to enforce that policy? Do you have a way to track... Um, the different containers of different softwares and different open source repositories that are being used within your software. Um, You can see the whole nine here, something to keep a look at and definitely audit um, pretty quick. Once it's out there, everyone knows it's out there. And the threat actors who've kind of been hiding will start executing if they've got malware, will do so right now um, in order to try and leverage the access to have had into these images into these containers on your environment. So keep that in mind. A cross-tenant AWS vulnerability exposed account resources. The cross-tenant vulnerability in AWS could have allowed attackers to abuse AWS AppSync to gain access to resources in an organization account. The attacker could exploit the AWS AppSync service to assume identity and access management roles in other AWS accounts, gaining access to resources within those accounts. Cloud Security Company, DataDog explained. The AppSync service allows developers to create GraphQL and Pub slash sub-APIs, each with an associated data source, as well as to invoke AWS APIs directly, creating integrations with AWS services, which require defining roles with IAM permissions. Guess here a comment this morning, show APIs, APIs, APIs. The new battlefield is APIs, especially in the new uh, post-COVID kind of corporate enterprise architecture. This is you no know, different. To prevent such attack during the creation of a data source, AWS validates the role of unique identifier called Amazon resource name against an AWS account. If they don't match, the API displays an error. But However, here they're able to actually create that, so then it actually works, and so they're able to bypass that security check by AWS. The proof of concept code targeting the vulnerability reported the issue to AWS on September 1st. A patch was rolled out on September 6th. So AWS did publish an advisory, and you want to make sure you get this addressed. Um, A group of a lot of practitioners are urging CISA to develop a simple mechanism for cyber incident reporting. This is coming on the heels of the new executive orders that have come through, essentially having to notify CISA, if you're part of critical infrastructure, uh, of a cyber incident within a 72-hour window. CISA released a request for information in September, posing a range of policy and practical questions about the Cyber Incident Reporting for Critical Infrastructure Act of 2022. The deadline for responses was November 14th. CISA has until March of 2024 to issue a notice of proposed rulemaking on the incident reporting regulation. Although, Jen Easterly has said multiple times they're trying to get it done by next year. So um, CISA is not looking to wait until 2024. Uh, People are looking for an easy way to report it um, where it won't require as many resources. And and given data breach notification laws and rules that we have to comply with, given all the other things, um, it would serve best to try and get just critical information that CISA would need and then assign it to the regional office to get more information as needed, um, um, at least until, you know, stuff gets amended. And our final story this morning is U.S. bans Huawei ZTE telecom gear over security risk. So over the Thanksgiving holiday, while many people were off, the U.S. announced a ban on the import and sale of communication equipment deemed unacceptable risk to national security. This includes gear from Chinese giants Huawei Technologies and ZTE. Both firms have been on the roster of companies listed as a threat by the Federal Communication Commission um, and were banned. Um, And then that ban was partially lifted. The FCC is now um, coming out with a new warning and they've grown wary of the Chinese telecom industry and so they're committed to protecting the national security and ensuring the untrustworthiness of communication equipment is not authorized for use within our borders according to the FCC. The FCC said Friday that it was also seeking comment on future actions relating to existing authorization. Um, So there was a ban and in 2019 uh, Huawei was put on a trade blacklist that will bar US suppliers from doing business with it cutting the Chinese firm also a top smartphone brand off from Google's Android mobile operating system um so good to actually see that take place now that's official folks that's it for our show today we'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow as we re- as we continue to roll through till the end of this year um, thank you all for tuning in make sure to take these action items Go look them up. Your APIs and API security is going to play a critical role going forward. If you rely on APIs for anything, chances are you probably need to do some homework. Folks, that's it for the show. See y'all tomorrow. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.